Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. This is Dennis. Dennis, great. Thank you so much for taking the time here to join us, uh, the Toddcast Podcast in Vancouver, Canada. All right, all right. Toddcast Podcast. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking forward to talking to you, man. I've been a fan of your band for, man, for I, I guess since you started. That's a long time. Yeah, which that, is a, a long tells time. Tell us about how old, old you are. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. Uh, and Dennis, uh, for this chat, I wanted to go back to the beginning. Uh, before you were in any bands at all, and, and I'm curious, what's the music in your house as a kid growing up? Oh, interesting. Oh, well, my dad, for a short period of time, he worked, um, he worked for like a record distribution sort of company. He had a lot of records. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So he played a lot of music at home. When I was young, I don't really know what he was into. I mean, I know kind of what he was into. But the first thing that that really hit me was the Beatles. Mm. Um, I was eight. Wait. I was eight years old when John Lennon got shot. And um, his picture and the Beatles picture were were all over the newspapers the next day. And... uh, that made me super curious. I thought they looked really cool. My dad had all the Beatles records, so that was like my first, uh, my first, uh, you know, journey into music, basically. Mm-hmm. And what what do you think it was yeah. about the Beatles? I, I well, I mean, first of all, I thought they looked cool, which is you know, when you're a young person, that's that's a plus. <laughs> of course. I mean, also, yeah, and and. I think uh, also a lot of their songs, especially the early stuff, because I liked when you're a young person, when you're eight years old, Sgt. Peppers, and, you know, that might be a bit too much for you, but I, I like the early stuff, like I Want to Hold Your Hand and, you know, all that, like the, the, the simple Beatles songs. She and, loves and you, they, yeah. yeah, she loves you, of course. So there was a catchiness to that that, that really blew my mind, and I was like uh, building Lego guitars and like miming in, in my living room to <laughs> to to Beatles records when I was like eight and nine years old. Yeah, uh, that's great. Okay, so take us down the path then from the Beatles to Refused. <laughs> Obviously, there's a there's a huge gap there. What's going on? Well, uh, so the Beatles was my first uh, venture into music. I stole my dad's records, but then the first record I actually bought with my own cash was David Bowie, Let's Dance, okay. which I loved, you know, and then I was a huge Bowie fan. It was funny because all the kids in my class were into, like, uh, into like heavy metal. Well, not so much heavy metal, more like, you know, Kiss and, and that, that kind of stuff. Sure. And I didn't, I didn't like that at first. I was like, oh, that's kind of corny, and I was into Bowie, you know, being a bit, bit of a smartass. But then I, I did get into, I, I think um, when I was, I must have been 12 or 13 that summer, I saw the uh, the, mo- uh, the the video for Bark at the Moon with Ozzy. <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> and, and I thought it was amazing. Totally. And I was like, oh, this is, yeah, this is great. So yeah. then that kind of set me on the path into like, uh, you know, metal basically. And I remember like... Uh, they were willing to Aussie, and then I had a, a, a friend of my dad. Actually, I went over to his house, and he's like, oh, "I heard you into heavy metal." And he he, 
I bought all the Black Sabbath and Motorhead records. I mean, that that's a slippery slope right there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, so um, what was your first concert, like the first concert that you attended? How old were you? I was, uh, let me see here, 12 years old, and I went to see Europe. <laughs> the final countdown. <laughs> well, it was before this. It was before the final countdown. It was the oh, record wow. before that. Okay. Wings of Tomorrow, yeah. I was 12 years old, and it was Europe playing as two local bands, maybe even three local bands, like have a, like hard rock bands. So that was the first show I went to. Uh, I saw Europe, and I was like, I was terrified, because everybody else was like 16, 18 years old, and people mm -hmm. were smoking and drinking, and I was like, I was completely petrified. But um, it was still pretty awesome. So that was like my first, the first show I went to was, was Europe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so when did you start personally playing in bands? How old were you? I must have been, um, I mean, I think I was maybe 14, 13, 14. So, I mean, it was around that time. I mean, it's, it's funny because nowadays if you're, if you're a kid and you're into music, you sit by your laptop and you create music on your laptop. But mm -hmm. when, 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 when I was young and you were like, I'm into music and you're like, let's start a band, you know? So we started, we started a band and we had like a local youth center where they had a, a practice space. We could go to every like Tuesday or something like that. And, uh, and we started our first band and, and, uh, I was, I was probably 14 when we started. And then when I was 15, I started like the first real band that, that actually wrote our own songs and actually did perform. But so I was like 13, 14, I started playing the bass because I was a bass player in the early days. Mm. Have you ever had a, an issue with your voice? I mean, you're screaming for a lot of the <laughs> stuff. And I, I know that, uh, you know, that some people actually, you know, that take vocal lessons and all that kind of thing. Is, is Have you ever traveled down that path? You ever had a, an issue with your voice? Uh, I mean, not really, no. I mean, I've, I've had times on tour where, where it's completely worn out and, you know, your, your, your voice is tired and, I actually one time on tour with Noise Conspiracy, I actually lost my voice on a tour, wow. which was incredibly scary. But for the most part, no. I mean, I, I never really went to vocal coach. I mean, I'd taken like maybe four class, I mean, four vocal coach classes in my entire life. And mostly that was just to, to get like warm up exercises and, you know, like mm -hmm. try to figure out like, uh, you know, minor stuff. But I mean, I'm pretty all autodidact i just learned everything by myself and just kind of figure out how to breathe and how to move with the music and so so i mean i've never had you know like as you said a lot of singers they get like knots on their vocal cords sure. or but i i'm lucky enough never anything like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah. um dennis your your new record war machine or war music rather war music uh, yes. came out last month yes after all these years does it get any easier making music Mm, harder. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> I, think it, I think it becomes harder, you know. Why, well, why is that? Because you don't want to sound too much like refused? Or why is that? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, um, the, 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 the more you sort of learn how to write, the more critical you become of what, what you're writing. Uh, so, I mean, when you're a young person, you get away with a lot of stuff because you're doing it just on pure uh, energy, you know? Like, you're, you're doing something, and it's not great, but the energy is there, and then, you know, you kind of, like, 
there's a part of it is songwriting, but part of it is just enthusiasm, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you grow older, like one of the things, like you actually learn the craft, and when once you know the craft, um, you become way more self-critical. You became way more like, okay, that's we've done that before, and that's that, you know, like so. So I think that's the element. Like, like it becomes harder because you become more self-critical, basically. Yeah, you're just harder um, on yourself. Yeah, exactly, and I think that that's that's the that's a big issue. And I, but I mean, then again, I mean, when you know the craft, you also, to a certain extent, know what works and what doesn't work, which is kind of a comfort. When when cause, I mean, I'm I am pretty good with especially my vocal thing, so that I'll, I can go, I, I'll hear a song like a demo, and I, I I pretty quickly I can determine what what the vocals are going to be for it like you know where i'm going with it so i mean mm-hmm. that's something you learn over the years but uh, i don't think it becomes easier i think aspects of it are easier but the, the i think the the mental strain um gets harder every year mm-hmm. <laughs> and how does the the songwriting process work in your band refuse then is it a matter of you go to into the studio and kind of just hash shit out or, or do, do the other guys bring stuff to you and go like, check this out, write stuff around this or how does that work? Uh, mostly it's, uh, David and Chris, uh, write riffs and I, Chris writes a lot of riffs and, and David as well. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of, uh, make these skeleton arrangements of songs. And that's usually where the rest of us come in when there's already like a skeleton arrangement where there's like, this is the idea for this song. And that's where I come in okay. and then I do my vocal things. And then me and David actually sit down and do lyrics together. I mean, it used to be only me, but then, you know, after a while, it's good to collaborate with people that you trust. So then we sit down and we actually write lyrics and then I'll do the vocals and then Chris and David changes everything, and then I have to redo the vocals, <laughs> and then they change everything one more time, and I have to redo the vocals. So, that, I mean, that's kind of what the process is. It's, it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of like, all right, so here's the skeleton. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then, you know, you, know, you, you, uh, you sing to that, and then you have to re-sing it again. Right, right. And, and occasionally, yeah. though, so, some songs come together like instantaneously. The music, the lyrics, everything, it just kind of flows out of you, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it 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 just clicks. It's it, it feels, but but then then that's that's the tricky part because then you become nervous and you're like, like oh wait, this is too th- yeah, that is like, too easy. Like yeah. that something's not right here. It's too easy. So I think that's that's a that's a tricky part too. Knowing because I think one of the things we'd refused. I mean, with our legacy and the type of music that we play, that is, I mean, to a certain extent, it's incredibly complex music. And one of the things, when it's too easy, it makes you a bit nervous because you're like, oh, it's not supposed to be easy because we're so, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're so meticulous about everything. So, I mean, that's, that's a tricky balance because sometimes there's been times when Chris and David keeps changing the song 10 times. And then you just have to say, wait, the fifth version was amazing. And they're like, Why are we doing oh, this? yeah, it was. It, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I think it just becomes a thing where you're like, you can always improve, you know, and I think that's, that's a, it's a good attitude to have, but sometimes that also means that the, the song can go like a couple laps too, too many, you know? Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if Paul McCartney felt the same way. Cause didn't he infamously, he's, you know, said in many interviews that he rolled out of bed one day and he just literally wrote yesterday. It was just poured out of him. 
I wonder if you yeah. thought, you know what, this is just, it's just too, it's too easy. Yesterday is just too easy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so, sometimes that's the cool thing. I mean, even with like a, a vocal hook for me, I mean, you'll hear something in the first run of the song, you're like, bah, 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 oh, that's great. And then like, oh, that is great. I mean, the first instinct, mm-hmm. sometimes the first instinct is what's the greatest. I mean, because that's, that's your gut talking. That's not intellectually breaking down like, so what do we try to accomplish here? You know, like that's, that's just your gut saying like, this is what I'm feeling, you know? And sometimes that is, that is what you should go with, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a bit of a calm before the storm for you right now. Hey Dennis, with the, the tour coming up next year in 2020. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we just did, uh, we just did a European tour. I came home, uh, like a couple of days ago. Okay. And then we're doing a Scandinavian run in, uh, yeah, next two weeks. Wow. And then uh, we're going over to the States. That's in right. Late February. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that run. Yeah, and you're going to be in Vancouver on March the 4th, 2020, playing at the Commodore, one I, of the I, best I, venues I, in the I world. Trust, trust, trust you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I played the Commodore uh, with Noise Conspiracy. That's, yes, you I'm did. I'm pretty, pretty sure I have. Yeah, yeah. You did, yeah, that's for sure. Great. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, I'd love to get, I, and I, I told you I was going to be about maybe 15-ish, 20 minutes with you, but uh, hopefully yeah. we'll keep it under that for you. Uh, I would love to yeah. get outside of music and, and, of course, what you're known for. I'm curious, what are you binge-watching lately when you find the time? <laughs> if you find the time, what are you watching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do find the time. I, I actually, the last TV show that I really enjoyed was Succession. Which Succession. is you know, interesting. Yeah, it's an HBO series about really, really, really disgusting rich people. Mm. But uh, it was quite fascinating. And uh, I have to admit, right now I'm watching um, the Watchmen series, which yes. I also think is really, really good. Like, is that and, one of the best? Uh, first off, it's one of the best graphic novels of all time. The, yes, it the, is. the movie was one of the best superhero movies of all time. And now the series is leading up, living up to the hype. Yeah, it is. It, it's for sure. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I've seen four episodes and I'm I'm hooked. And then I'm also yeah. I'm also watching The Mandalorian because yeah. I am a kid of that age and time where Star was just you know like I am I'm one of those guys that my my brother texted me on tour. He's like, I'm buying tickets for the Star Wars movie. Are you? And I'm like, Yeah. What do you think? Of course, I'm in. You know. So totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, didn't Star Wars just like literally take over your life as a kid? Yes, it did. I remember, because, I mean, it was one of those deals where I was lucky enough to see Return of the Jedi at the movies when it came out. Yeah. And then uh, Swedish television showed um, the first, like, A New Hope, I guess it's called. Yeah, the first uh, one, yeah. And, and yes, and, and we taped it on VHS, and for, you know, whatever, like, two months, I watched it every day coming home from school. I'm just <laughs> like, I'm going to watch Star Wars once more. So yeah, it did. It it, it beca- became a big big thing in my life, and and it it is funny how that is, uh, how that like so imprints on you. Because I still, I'm, I'm I still have a huge weak spot for sci-fi movies, and yeah. I'm still you know like I'm I'm not a complete nerd, but I think the trying to be a punk, I had to sort of uh, push the nerdiness uh, away a little bit, <laughs> but uh, it's it's in there for sure. But it's impossible, <laughs> especially the Mandalorian is so good. Like I'm watching, I've got the, yeah, um, a, I've got a nine year old and a, a seven year old, and they're just, I mean, dude, they are glued to the screen still today. Hey, like, great. look at this franchise. Yeah. Like how how old is that franchise? Forty years old, and it's still continuing yeah. to kick everybody's ass. 
Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing, yeah. <laughs> Back to the superhero movies, which do you think is your favorite? Like, what, which is the best one in your opinion? Oh, wow, that is a big question. Well, honestly, I thought I thought that the, the Logan movie was exceptionally good. Yeah. Because I thought that was just like a, a piece of proper cinema. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a cinema nerd. I mean, I like... I like the Marvel stuff. I've seen it all, you know, but, but I thought Logan was definitely something very, very different and something that uh, you could watch as not being to, you know, superhero movie mm-hmm. type of stuff and, and still really enjoy that movie. I it, thought it was great. It almost felt like, like that could actually be real life. Yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, it was just, it was just a fantastically well-crafted movie. Yeah. And uh, also the first time you got to see Wolverine really... Uh, take people out so. <laughs> totally right vicious <laughs> yeah. shit uh which yeah. which superpower would you want to have oh but wow uh i would say probably to be able to fly or something like that because i'm scared of flying and if i could no. fly by my no. oh, yeah i know it's horrible it's not what? great to be a, a touring musician and not like i don't, I don't like flying so if I could fly myself, I, that'd probably make it a bit easier. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. See you boys later on. <laughs> Gone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you believe aliens have visited Earth? Um, yes, sometimes. It is, it's one of those things, you know, like when, when, you, when you made a, a career of being this Marxist, <laughs> socialist, very grounded in sort of, a, you know, those ideas... It's hard to 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 um, admit that that you have also a soft spot for that, but mm-hmm. yeah, it seems likely. It seems reasonable that uh, that that could have probably happened. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's. Uh, I was very fascinated by that in my twenties. I read a lot of book books about that, but um, oh. yeah, maybe possibly, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's almost to the point where it would be almost more. It would be you know, more doubtful that there hasn't been alien visitation considering that the Kep- the Kepler, NASA's Kepler program has seen millions of planets. Like really within yeah. those millions of planets, there's no other life form. Really? Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, it is interesting now because I got some, I got some friends that are really, really into that kind of stuff. I mean, NASA is, is releasing all this information just saying like, yes, there has been sightings. Right. We don't know what it is. There has been stuff out there that we have no idea what that was, which is kind of interesting. You know, it, it tickles the mind for sure. Oh, totally. hundred percent. I mean, when you yeah. start to talk, when you start to watch those videos where, you know, guys are in fighter jets and they're watching these UFOs do, yeah. you know, 90 degree turns at like Mach 6. Like, really? Yeah. Like we don't have that technology. What the hell is that? <laughs> What is that? Exactly. You know? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. No one knows. No well, one maybe knows. Maybe if they if they're going to storm that Area Fifty One thing, well, we'll see if it happens. <laughs> I actually went to. Uh, we drove through there once. So, oh, did so you? We went to uh, yeah, not Area Fifty One, but that that small town, that Ro- Roswell, Roswell, New yeah. Mexico, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. We went there. Went to the like uh, there was like an alien store. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. All right, Dennis, I, I want to respect your time. I've got a couple more questions and, and I'll let you go on. Thank you again for doing this. Uh, I know. What are, what are your thoughts on legalized marijuana? Just came to Canada uh, last uh, <clears throat> October. I mean, as, 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 as a person that never ever done drugs and I would say I'm not very interested in drugs, 
don't really pay that much attention, but it makes sense to legalize it because there are very there's a lot of useful um, there's a lot of usefulness to it. Yeah, exactly. That's not just uh, just based on people being stoners. Right. So I think it's I think it's fine. I mean, it is kind of insane that uh, hard liquor is legal because that's kind of I mean you know living in Sweden that it's not great. <laughs> right. So so it's it, I I think it's fine. I think that you know like uh, Sweden has a really weird like the way we view drugs is like if you smoke a pot if you smoke pot you're a junkie you might really? as well do heroin wow yeah it's, really? it's super weird and kind of restrictive in a way that's not constructive to people at all and it's very like based on you know propaganda of fear so wow yeah yeah it's 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 interesting so, so legalization is not coming there anytime soon then no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Wow. But I think it's a very reasonable thing, you know. So yeah. I think that's good Good for you, Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, final question. It could be the toughest that I've asked you today. Maybe not. Do you, do you have a career highlight? Can you nail it down to one thing? Wow. That, yeah, that is tough. That is tough. Uh, not, not really. No. Yeah. I mean, it's... Just too many. There's too many and there's too... It's... It, it, it's your career, I mean, it's a flow. So a lot of times it's, it's kind of hard to grasp it. Oh shit, that we did that. That was, mm. you like know, that's a career highlight. Peak. And then like yeah, exactly. a year later, you, you oh, that one beats that yeah. one. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I mean, I would, I would have to say, uh, from, from the perspective of someone that has been playing music for a very long time and put out a lot of records, I would have to say, uh, even though it pains me, the fact that, Shape of Punk to Come is a record that 21 years after it's released, people are still talking about it. Oh, brilliant album. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is one of those things that we did that, you know, like we accomplished something, a, a piece of art that, that, that resonated so much with people that 21 years later, it's still, it's still a conversation. And I mean, even though I think I've, you know, in my mind, I've put out records that are as good as that record or maybe even better as that record that doesn't really matter, you know, like, like that, the fact that in that time and space, something happened and, and, uh, people will turn to that record and it, it's humbling and, and amazing. And very few people get to get to have that in their lives. You know, so that's something that I am immensely proud of that fact actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. It's yeah. an awesome album. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Dennis, thank you, man, for, for taking the time here to join us. We're looking forward to seeing Refused in Vancouver on March the 4th, 2020 at the Commodore Ballroom. Uh, your band's... What about the lineup? What about the lineup with the Mets and Youth Code? Uh, I mean, that's... Insane. Pfft. Dude, It insane. is insane. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your band's Twitter and Instagram pages are simply at Refused. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you online. Thanks again for doing this. Yes. Thank you for doing it. It was awesome. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. 
Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not gonna do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was gonna get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.